With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
Okay. Okay, can everybody can anybody hear me? Can anybody hear me? Please write you can hear me in the chat. Okay, audio is on. Got you now. Okay. All right. Hold on. Okay, got you in, and um, and we're good to go. Okay. Um, all right, let's uh, surf. There's one that's got his hand raised, Serpico. I never, uh, I, I don't believe I remember that name from anywhere. Okay. Chicago. Chicago. Oh, sir. yeah, okay. Let's see what he's got to say before I continue on. Go ahead, Serpico. Chris, Chris, I just want to say that I can hear you now. I can oh, hear okay. you earlier. So. Great. Thank good. you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, let me just see. All right. Um, 
So anyhow, I'd like to, uh, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, a lot of the people that are really on target, you know, and not getting into the, you know, the theories of all cap names and, you know, um, paying with uh, uh, funny money or, or any of the uh, promissory notes and stuff like that, but are, are hammering against the code itself, using the code to fight with the code, stay in the statutes, stay in the box, are the ones that appear now to be having success. And, and of course, I don't know anybody on the planet that has had, that I've seen more success specifically from getting criminally indicted than I have using what Dave Maryland's research has brought to the table. Now, the criminal complaint that was filed in 2006 has a lot of coverage, meaning a lot of the different topics that we see throughout the years. But he doesn't, he doesn't expand beyond what the statutes and what court decisions have said about it. And I think that's very important. Uh, you know, he covers Title Four, Section 72, Section 83. I'm only named in the regulations and not the statutes, and the regulations cannot deviate from the statutes. And, and the the situation that I brought up before about the um, substitute for returns. Now, that has been suspended, like I said earlier. And I think it's, it's you know, it has to be from what David has done and what McNeil. McNeil focuses on the substitute returns. But, you know, I've used it in my argument when they used uh, the substitute of returns against me. So um, I think, you know, through uh, people staying focused, and this is what's so important, is staying focused and on target and only bring up what you can prove. Like, you know, people say the orange French flag is a military flag. And yes, it, you know, there's no doubt it, 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 you know, that it, there's no doubt in my mind it's a military flag. In fact, I can bring up the, the statutes and the code from years ago, right after World War II, where it, it became a military flag. But you're going to lose on that argument. I mean, it's an argument. It fails. I can't tell you how many people over the years, when I first got into this back in 1988, that was a that was a highlight of everybody's knowledge, the gold French flag. And man, they just, I mean, people just went to jail left and right, but they still kept fighting it. And now today, you know, you hardly hear about it. Oh, I guess it's good exercise to bring it up if you want. But it's not an argument you're, you're definitely not going to win with. But the, the point is, when you can prove how the statutes 
are incorrectly being applied against you to to violate your rights, then you can use the statutes as well to charge them with the criminal activity that relates to what they're doing. And now you have a, a great controversy that they do not want to interfere with. That's why David's arguments and criminal complaints and so forth has been so devastating in front of a grand jury. That's why That's why when you start bringing up statutes against the individual agent and start using the uh, the joiner per se, you know, that you have a copy of your joiner that, you know, we sent to Congress, you have the certificate of service, and when you reply, you reply with that, that you have a good faith belief that the tax code not only does it not apply to you, but is being misrepresented against you. And and there's a and there's a list of crimes that it was in the original complaint that that you can pick and choose which one that you want to name the agent is in violation of. So it's great material and if Anybody on this call does not have the Section 83 book, The Code Breaker, shame on you. That is good. I mean, that is a great, great, it's about 90, I don't know, 95 pages, and it's great material. I still read it. You know, I still pick up that book once a week, at least once a week, if not more, and just keep reviewing it. And and I and never have I not ever gotten a fresh outlook on that book. Something always pops out like I've never seen it before. Or God, I forgot all about that. Man, I'm so glad I read that part again. I mean, I'm telling you, the the stuff is great. And I wish I had a mind like David. I mean, a photographic memory is nice to have. Believe me. I just ran out of the developer a long time ago. That's all. But, yeah, well, Chris, yeah. Uh, if you had a memory like mine, you'd have to drink to forget. So careful <laughs> what you wish for. The uh, But, you know, so, you know, if you don't have the Section 83 book, it's a must. If you have not ever ordered the flash drive on the code breaker, you know, where David is at a board going through it for like three and a half hours, breaking it down, tying it all together. You've missed. You missed a lot. And this is and this is stuff that the government does not want to argue. And this is the stuff that when when they're trying to tell the grand jury stuff and you got this knowledge and the evidence and the belief behind you supporting you and most likely the grand jury is not going to bring a bill to indict you. But, you know, once you're indicted, it's a different story now, okay? It's, it's you know, you're, you're, you're fighting from a different angle, and, and, it's, and it's, not a good, it's not a good position to be in. The good position to be in is long before the grand jury has ever got wind of ever hearing about you. But 
The second position to be in, if, if you have to be in any position, if they're doing an investigation and you get that letter where, you know, the letter comes across, you know, well, the IRS passed your name along to us, uh, you know, suggesting a criminal indictment. Would you like to come in and tell us anything? Oh, yeah, guys, sure. Let me tell you how, you know, let me tell you a lot of things. No, that that is a good time. That is a great time to go ahead and give them a copy of your joiner that you joined the criminal complaint that you have a good faith belief <coughs> that the tax code does not apply to you, particularly in these areas, and and not just you know not vague. Oh, tax code doesn't apply to me. No, 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 no. You know, because the tax code could apply to you. It does when you go to pay gas or buy alcohol and stuff like that, but you don't get into those arguments. You show them specifically how the tax code does not apply to you or where you're the exception to a certain part of the code, like using Section 83. How did you use Section 83 in your conclusion that I owe a tax or that I made gross income? So it gives you a lot of information, a lot of um, uh, just a lot of ammunition for you to fire back at them. And so if you want to protect yourself from from get, I'm not going to say from ever getting indicted, but a good chance on you know the percentages that swing way over to your side in preventing you from getting criminally indicted, you need to join the joinder, okay? You need to join the complaint, rather, and get a joinder and get that in your hand so you can make copies of it. So when you get a letter and and now you, and then you got this information behind you, you could go ahead and follow up with letters, like how does Section 83 apply in your conclusion that I may gross income? How am I, you know, named in the statutes when I'm only named in the regulations? And the regulations cannot deviate from the statutes. And, you know, and, and yada, yada, yada. So with that being said, I'd like to introduce the author, the, and in, my, in my opinion, the founder of how to use the IRS code to your favor. And not and not to say, well, I'm not named in the code. Okay, well, that's you know that's a ridiculous argument. Not that it's ridiculous that you're stupid from using it. It's ridiculous that nobody's going to hear you. Okay, and the grand jury ain't going to hear you. The prosecutor ain't going to hear you. The government ain't going to hear you. And they're just going to mow right right over you. So. You know, you're like a little ant in the grass, you know, in a blade of grass, and and they're just that lawnmower is just going to mow right over you. So you need to be heard, and the best way to be heard is turn the position into your favor and go back at them. So with that being said, I'd like to present Dave Merlin. Dave, are you on? Thanks, Chris. Exactly. Uh, the two most important words in everything that Chris did in January of 07, when he went before the grand jury with uh, my briefing that went to Congress a year previously, uh, the two most important words he said were to the judge. They, 
the DOJ wanted him brought up on criminal contempt charges because he they said he wouldn't give handwriting exemplars. And uh, he went before the judge and said, I'll give you all the exemplars you want, but there's a criminal complaint on record. You've received one, and you seem to have, and then those two words. He says, you seem to have become complicit. <laughs> That's how you accuse the judge. It's an existing complaint. You know about it. And instead of doing something about it, you chose to join in the conspiracy, join in the crime. You have become complicit. And that's, listen to the recording on YouTube. No tax indictment informed grand jury. And Chris will describe for you, you know, what the judge did at that point. He could tell that he says in the... uh in the interview there on YouTube that it was like somebody threw cold water on her. <laughs> and it's, it, it's, it's different. It's different than you were five minutes ago, Your Honor, before you heard about the complaint. Now you've heard about the complaint and you haven't backed off a bit. That is the judge entering the circle. The judge is here in the controversy. We can all relax. This son of a bitch is going to prison. That's their thinking. And when Chris said become complicit, he pulled the judge back out of the circle. And uh, without really knowing that as a tactic that's what to do, Chris could tell just because he knows wrong from right that that's really the telling point. You know about it and you don't do anything except join in with your authority to beat me to the ground, Your Honor. Is that right? Um, today, uh, I revisited a case that, because uh, I heard it mentioned on the web, uh, you have the link first link is to the case. If you're just on the phone, get ready to write. This is the case of Muncie versus Commissioner, 8th Circuit Court of Appeals. Muncie, M-U-N-C-Y. 8th Circuit, 15-1626. That's a very recent case. Docket number 15-1626, decided March 2nd of 016, unpublished case. That means it can't be cited as an authority. And it's about the notice of deficiency and uh, how to challenge its validity, which is important. Uh, may as well make sure that the government did everything it was supposed to when it issued the notice of deficiency that gives you your 90-day window of opportunity to go to tax court. The second link I paste in is uh, a video from David Champion on YouTube. And uh, I'd listened to a little bit of his stuff to know that uh, lo long enough to see that he really focuses on the definition of trade or business in Chapter 2 which I do not claim is an invalid argument. It is simply a minor argument compared to uh, the argument that proves 
all of Chapter 2 and 21, Social Security, and 23 applies only to people with citizenship other than citizenship of the United States. So I don't make the trader business argument. It's much narrower than my argument. Um, but today I listened to portions of that video, and at one particular point in the video by David Champion, the video that is called, hold on just a second, it's called 3-22-17. So it's March 22 of 017. Dave gives the evidence that the income tax does not apply to you. And at 30 minutes in, start listening at about 25 minutes maybe, uh, he'll tell he'll lump all of subtitle C into one topic when it is not. Uh, and then he refers to chapter two and chapter one as the uh, calculative chapters. Wrong. To calculate chapter two, you use chapter one. So chapter one is the only calculative, uh, the, uh, the collection of collect, uh, calculative measures. You use chapter one to figure any income tax. Income taxes are imposed by chapters one, two, and 21. I can't remember the Railroad Retirement Tax Act. That's probably a, an income tax as well. And Chapter 24 in Subtitle C is the W-4 form, and that collects the tax imposed by Chapter 1. So he lumps Chapter 2 and 1 together in mistake or error, and he refers to Subtitle A, tax, like it's one tax, it's six different chapters, subtitle A. And he says, he references subtitle A as one tax and subtitle C as one tax. The tax code is much, much more specific than all of that. And what this does, it helps me identify that he has a ceiling on his understanding. He can't take apart subtitle C or subtitle A to tell you how they operate, whether or not they interact, the extent to which they interact, if in fact they interact. And uh, while this guy, uh, he comes off as a very nice guy. Uh, and also, he has technical abilities relating to uh, interpretation of regulation and statute. I can tell by the way he talks in some of his videos that uh, he has done a great deal of work. He stopped early, like so many others out there. But uh, he has a keener mind than does Pete Hendrickson. Uh, David Champion makes more sense of the tax code than Pete Hendrickson, but he doesn't have the baseline conclusions. This video is March 22nd of 017, which means he still hasn't bothered to read my work because his video is March of this year and he hasn't pierced the veil of complexities to really pick out a couple of details on just exactly what you're talking about when you say subtitle C or subtitle A. It's not subtitle A. That's chapters one through six, much narrower, just chapters one and two. It's not subtitle C. It's just 
chapters 21 and 23 and 24 if you want to nitpick about the W-4 form, uh, but that's an income tax withholding method. How does Section 83 operate in your conclusion of subject to the W-4 form? So you don't really need Chapter 24 in all of this. So uh, you see in my videos proof that my take on the tax code is much more specific than is David Champion's. Secondly, and really this is first in, in my mind when I see his videos, it takes place at a podium. He doesn't diagram the internal operation of the tax code because he hasn't sensed that it exists. He speaks in generalizations yet that don't need a diagram. So uh, from what I can tell, though, he's not selling his book saying you ought to claim zero on your tax returns. I haven't heard that he's getting a lot of people in trouble. And uh, as I said, when you listen to the guy, he's just he's he's got his feet more firmly planted in American jurisprudence than does Pete Hendrickson. One of one of his videos is called uh, "The Tale of Two Tax Books," something like that. And it's an interview of a listener to his radio show that uh, says, "I read your book, Shattering the Myths." And you made a lot more sense than Pete Hendrickson's book did, Cracking the Code. Okay. Now introduce Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation. Uh, I don't know why I can't get these people's lights to come on. You know, my stuff has been out there and out there for sale since 1993. I've been teaching this uh, set of conclusions about the tax code, and uh, it's it's pretty sick. 24 years later, no one's interested. And this quickly, I can show you somebody. This guy is, you know, he's sharp. He has technical abilities regarding interpretation. You don't hear me say that about many people. And I can tell that he's... He's been into the tax code, and he's chosen to ignore a lot of things that he studied to emphasize key arguments, just as I've done. I can tell that he went a lot more places than what he teaches. So uh, my hat's off to him. He did a lot of work, did it pretty responsibly, and stopped early. There's a ceiling to his understanding. Now, the Muncie case, uh, I'm going to paste this uh, PDF link back into the chat for anybody that's interested. Um, you might be able to find it on scholar.google.com. Uh, this one I happen to have on media.ca8.uscourts.gov. And it's the Muncie decision. Hey, the officer that issued the notice of deficiency hasn't been delegated the authority to do so. And we have the right to challenge the notice of deficiency. And tax court said, no, you don't. And on one of Dave Champion's videos, uh, you'll see the video, it's entitled something like uh, Eighth Circuit Slams the IRS Tax Scam. And there's another thing that tells me that David Champion hasn't been in all that many places because he reads a lot into this decision that just doesn't exist. And the, the decision's very quick, 
If you're just on the phone, uh, you won't be bored. This is a very fast decision about notice of deficiency. It's just a page and a half. I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, laying to rest uh, the allegations of my critics that I can't read. Leroy Muncie appeals the tax court's order finding that he owed additional income taxes and penalties. Don't they all, Your Honor? Upon careful review and for the reasons set forth below, we vacate the order uh, and remand the case to the tax court for further proceedings. In December 2011, Muncie filed a petition to tax court attaching a September 2011 notice of deficiency, or a NOD, NOD, and a statement indicating that he owed uh, additional income taxes and penalties. The NOD was printed on letterhead from the Department of Treasury, Internal Revenue Service, Small Business, Self-Employed. And it was signed by Janet Miller of the Internal Revenue Service, Technical Services Territory Manager, who purported to issue the NOD on behalf of the Commissioner of Internal Revenue. Muncie argued to the tax court that the NOD had not been issued by a duly authorized delegate of the secretary, that it was null and void, and that the tax court thus lacked jurisdiction. He just claimed that the notice of deficiency that gave him the opportunity to petition tax court was null and void, and therefore the tax court lacked jurisdiction because the notice that you used to get in there was null and void. He also disputed the amount of the deficiencies and penalties set forth in the NOD. The tax court concluded that the case did not involve the legitimacy of the NOD, that the lack of the proper delegation of authority to Miller was not an issue in the case, and that Muncie's jurisdictional argument was frivolous. Because everything is frivolous in tax court, just ask him. After an April 014 hearing, that's like two and a half, three years later, uh, two and a half years later, the tax court entered a December 014 memorandum and order finding that Muncie owed the additional income taxes and penalties set forth in the NOD. On appeal, the sole issue raised by Muncie is whether the tax court lacked subject matter jurisdiction in light of his challenge to the legitimacy of the NOD. We reviewed determinations of tax court's jurisdiction de novo. Upon review, we conclude that the tax court erred by declining to address the legitimacy of the notice of deficiency. Uh, we further conclude that the undeveloped record does not establish whether Miller occupied a position that gave her authority under the delegation order in effect at the time the nod was issued or under any other authorization to issue Muncie the NOD. Accordingly, what they just said is, listen to this. What they just said is, this stuff is required, or they wouldn't even have mentioned it. We further conclude that the undeveloped record does not establish that Miller occupied a position that gave her authority, meaning the, when challenged, the record better establish and reflect that it's been established that she had the proper delegation of authority. We further conclude that the undeveloped record does not establish whether Miller occupied a position that gave her authority under the delegation, of, or, uh, delegation order in effect at the time the NOD was issued or under any other authorization to issue uh, Muncie his notice of deficiency, meaning you have to have these, place before, uh, these things in place before you issue a notice of deficiency. 
This is an appellate court. This is how judges talk. The record doesn't contain any of this. Well, why would you say that, Your Honor? Because it's required to when you make this kind of a challenge. That's why. (laughs) You have to educate the government at every turn. They've had it too easy. And when you make a good challenge, suddenly, oh, we got to go rethink our game plan. We've gotten by on the public's ignorance to this point. Accordingly, we vacate the December 2014 memorandum and order that Muncie owed the taxes and remand this case to tax court with instructions to determine whether Miller had authority to issue the NOD that is the subject of this case and for further proceeding consistent with that determination. How? He said it's a jurisdictional issue. And so if it's invalid, if the record is insufficient to sustain the notice of deficiency, you can't remand it for further proceedings. You have to vacate it, which means their judgment is null and void. I guess then they can consider the validity of the notice of deficiency. But what do they have to do if it's invalid? Sounds to me from this appellate decision, they better just vacate it themselves if it's invalid because the the appellate court's going to hold them to it. Meaning, in tax court, you make this challenge, and if they can't muster an argument against you with proof on the record that the delegation is sufficient and valid, what do they have to do? They have to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. The notice is invalid. That's cool. But it's not the iron hammer fist down on the back of the neck of the IRS tax scan, as David Champion claims in that video. It's nice to see somebody get vacated for a good reason, but this is a really a procedural vacation of the judgment. It wasn't about any substantive due process issue. You know, it's just like, you know, build the record or don't sustain the conviction. So it's really a very simple decision, and uh, it's good in the future but there's not going to be a million things vacated because of this decision. So I wanted to bring that out, and uh, you hear in there a hint of uh, due process that, hey, look at that, you know, somebody can actually argue in tax court. Well, no, tax court said it's frivolous, which means they might even have been penalized. But since the order was vacated, any penalties that went along with that are vacated as well. But when tax court says frivolous, You wait for them to tell you how many thousands of dollars in penalties you have to pay for being frivolous. And uh, that's why you just, you don't test the waters in tax court. (laughs) And uh, hopefully this guy wasn't penalized, but uh, regardless, it was vacated. And I haven't gone back to see whether or not tax court disposed of the case. I just caught this case mentioned in the uh, David Champion video and thought I'd look it up and uh, because I was thinking of grading David Champion, although he's a very nice guy and uh, I don't think he's out there getting people in trouble, uh, shattering the myths. The book simply does not, in fact, do that. It does not shatter myths. It illustrates that there's a ceiling on his research and therefore his understanding of the tax code. If you're only on the phone, get ready to write. These freebies all begin with wevgov.com slash 
all lowercase, no spaces. The regulars pretty much have all this. Uh, wevgov.com slash all lowercase, no spaces, 7203.zip, 7203.zip, 861.pdf, 861.pdf. That's the uh, brief against the Section 861 non-resident alien argument. Um, it's three briefed issues. The first two of them are out of this document, summons.pdf, wevgov.com slash summons.pdf. That's a summons from Chief Judge Voorhees in North Carolina in 1992. And in 861.pdf, you got two arguments from that memorandum against the 861 argument. And then I wrote issue C of the 861.pdf document. And Lowell Beecraft's research I added as footnote number three of that document. So there's a blanket thrown over why the 861 argument is mistaken. Two of the three issues briefed were briefed by a chief judge. Uh, backtrialbrief.pdf backtrialbrief.pdf is the government's sentencing memorandum from 2014 Anchorage, Alaska, September where they spell out the government's definition of innocence in a tax case bcraft.zip the freebies that I put together for Lowell Bcraft's radio show audience and Let's see, hunter.mp3, hunter.mp3. Yes, Dave's been pissing off the anti-tax movement. This is proof since at least 1995. There's Ken Hunter on my message machine in another time, Stone Age, when we were using audio cassettes on our phone message machines. And there's a recording of the messages he left me one day because uh, I gave him terrible grades on a brief he wrote. <laughs> irs17.pdf irs17.pdf is publication 17 excerpts every year for 23 years the irs has been telling you in publication 17 that your services are your cost and meteor.pdf meteor.pdf Hey, Your Honor, my client wasn't drunk driving. His car was, uh, his car was, uh, uh, struck by a meteor. That's it. Your Honor, my, his, my client's car was struck by a meteor. And there you have the decision right there. It's a Washington State appellate case. <laughs> he was drunk driving and his car was struck by a meteor. And the judge says, I think it was because of the drinking. Money.pdf. Money.pdf is my argument for gold and silver, and it caused a municipal judge to vacate without even asking him to vacate. He vacated a guilty plea to solicitation of a prostitute rather than talk about money the way it's argued in money.pdf. That's wevgov.com slash money.pdf. Review.pdf is my review of Pete Hendrickson's toilet paper, cracking the code. Review.pdf. And Rod Class 
DOJ reply, Rod Class, DOJ reply. That's the government's brief in the Supreme Court against Rod Class. Rod Class, DOJ reply. And uh, one more freebie, probably the top of my list of the freebies, tattoo.zip, T-A-T-T-O-O dot zip, tattoo.zip. So uh, uh, that, of course, is the tutorial about the the tattoo parlor owner in San Mateo County Superior Court, San Mateo, California. And uh, my mission, should I decide to accept it, was to get the judge to get off the case. And that's all I tried to do with those documents and listen to the recording as to how it turned out. Tattoo.zip. Uh, you're going to love that. Top of the or uh, end of the hour, Chris, maybe a couple of questions and then we're out of here. And I uh, got a lot of people that hung up today because of the uh, technical difficulties. That's too bad. I like to see new participants in the call. Looks like we might have missed a few today, but uh, we'll see what we can make up for on Saturday on my call on 59615. Uh, my move to Hawaii has had a 30-day postponement attached, and uh, the crowdfunding, a two-week delay attached to that. So back kind of into a holding pattern, relaxing for a couple days here, and um, the next deal on the platter is a tax court hearing in Indiana. The decisions on the 9th and 11th Circuit are overdue. Not really much to say. It's hard. You know, picture it. Get in there and clean that toilet that hasn't been able to flush in a month. Everybody's been using it. It would be pretty hard to get psyched to do that job, wouldn't it? Well, that's what the appellate court has to do (laughs) to to jump into this case and decide what to write that says we're, we're not qualified for the relief that we seek (laughs) and uh and so they got to jump into those briefings and figure out why the citizen can't have his money (laughs) and uh we'll just have to wait and see what they say so anyway maybe a question doesn't look like anybody's lighting up the board with one so uh what do you say chris okay well let's just give them a, a chance to raise their hand by hitting star eight and uh, let's see, there's no questions. Let's see, other property says, uh, except as otherwise provided by the secretary, any return, declaration, statement, or other document required to be made under the provisions of the internal revenue laws or regulations shall contain or be verified by a written declaration that is made under the penalties of perjury. Yes, and that goes for... Uh, the agents as well when they make uh, yeah, returns. Chris, that's fine, but uh, um, what provision of the tax code is that? I beg your pardon? Say that again? What? Which provision of the tax code is that? Uh, that's in the, uh, uh, minute, um, I, re- I can almost, 6065, I think it is. Very good. <laughs> I had it ready to type into the chat. Very good. Okay. Now, class, did you see that? I knew which one it was, and I asked Chris if he knew, and he knew. Okay? okay. 6065. And when you download com slash summons.pdf, you're going to see 
that the uh, requirement to sign something under penalties of perjury, let me see. I think there's an argument made in there about that. And um, whether or not a collection of information has to have an OMB control number on it. But I think there's something about penalties of perjury in the, uh, like the summons wasn't signed under penalties of perjury or something uh, in that summons.pdf document. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Okay, no, that's okay. We got Serpio's got a question. Let me open him up, and then we got North Northeast California. Go ahead, Serpio. Chris, it's Serpical. <laughs> oh, Serpical. Uh, anyway, listen, uh, the Rod Class DOJ reply, is that .pdf or what? I didn't, I didn't yes. read that one. Yeah. I'm not getting PDF. I'm not getting anything on that. Rod Class DOJ reply dot PDF. R O D C L A S P D O J R E P L Y dot PDF. I'm checking. R O D C L A S F D O J R E P L Y dot PDF. Works for me. Two S's on the class there. That's why I didn't get it's one. I thought it was one S. Okay. I thought I thought you made one S. Yeah. The uh, new math. And so did uh, a couple others. (laughs) Um, I wanted to say that he goes. uh, His case comes up, I think, real real quick now in the in the appellate court. So. Yeah, his voice for vagueness challenge looks real good. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thanks. Thank you, Serpico. Okay, there. Got that right. <laughs> All right. Now let's go to uh, Northeast California. Go ahead. Northeast Hi. California. This- Hi. Hi. This is Tomari. <clears throat> How are you, Chappie? <laughs> good, good. Who is this? Hi, Lori. Oh, Tomari. Tomari. Oh, Paul, Paul Marie. Oh, hi. Yeah, it's, hi, or darling, Miss Darling. So, um, oh, darling, yes. Have, yeah. Hello there, darling. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I have an out-of-state judgment, and a state agency here in California, they pretended to register it, and they modified it, and they modified it by using, um, changing our names. They used names that were similar to ours, but changed it, and, um, uh, I didn't realize this for a while, but I, I, I filed motions to void, dismiss for lack of jurisdiction, vacate, quash service, correct errors, cease and desist. And um, once I found out that they um, forged this, this, uh, this new order that they modified, uh, they started, I appealed, and then they started to delete every um, motion that I made, the motion to void, they deleted it because um, those were the okay. things that I pointed out. Um, the, I don't know, I the want court? to say the courthouse. Yeah, the, the courthouse, someone well, was in charge hang, of the hang record. On, hang on, hang, okay, hang on, hang on. You've got your okay. records to prove things were filed, check their docket officially, and ask the clerk to verify, yeah, you're looking at the whole docket, and then I would refile everything with a notice saying when I filed it, now it's been deleted from the court records, 
I want it back on the record, and I would make the court pay for that by putting it all right back on the record at once. So how, so how do I? Because I do have the docket. That's how I um, started realizing that they were they were taking them out, or they were making it just a proof of service. Yeah, and so you go to the clerk and you say, verify that I'm looking at the docket as it sits right now, because a bunch of my pleadings are missing. And then you decide what to do. Okay. Okay. And if some and of them so, are missing. If some of them yeah. were missing, I'd immediately put them all back right on the record with an offer of proof. With and a criminal complaint. Look up your state yeah. statute on official misconduct. Okay, so I have done all that. So um, hold on a second. Because, uh, okay, so um, I have, um, thank you for the verifying. I didn't I didn't go back to the courthouse and do the verif, uh, the, the verif, having them requesting that or telling them to put it back on the record. Um, but I did just recently come in contact with Chappie over this um, criminal complaint. And I just recently did your drive-by litigation. So I'm working uh-huh. on that. And um, the the problem is now um, is once I found out that it was forgery, I kind of made this big stink in the courthouse. They tried to arrest me. Um, and uh, then, uh, if you ask me, I believe that they told the other party to create this, this chaos. So what they ended up doing was, they arrested me in the courthouse when I was trying to leave. They arrested me when I was in the police station, when I was waiting for the police report. And then when I was waiting for my hearing um, on the other two arrests, they they stopped the hearing and allowed a police officer to come in and arrest me. And so now I have three arrests and like six charges. Um, and uh, um, and I did, I did, um, I'm sorry, I, uh, this is when I started, I found out about, uh, the TJ and then TJ got me in touch with Chappie and then Chappie had me go to your website. And so I am learning how to do this, um, this criminal complaint. Okay. Um, but just a there, couple things, mm-hmm. just, just, just a couple things, uh, there's a lot going on with you, and it's easy to get into the weeds. You really need to concentrate on a couple of big things that are okay. going to make the little things go away. There's a couple of big things here, which uh, I stand because I've heard plenty of people from California. Um, uh, they they don't appreciate the law. I'm talking about public servants. And it yeah, makes them easier. Hang on. It makes them easier to teach. When they do something real wrong, there are laws at your disposal where you can really bump them. And so, uh, first, while I've got you here, can you tell the people on the call how valuable, how important, whether or not it's integral, uh, integral to your uh, your growth as an offensive litigant? Uh, what is your assessment of the drive-by litigation course? Uh, the drive-by litigation course gave me um, so much confidence because I knew a lot, but I never knew how to close. And then I never knew how to counter. So they just kept adding things on, and I I couldn't stop them. <laughs> and um, so 
uh, once they arrested me at that last time and we went to the arraignment, I was ready to um, to uh, get the case dismissed. Um, uh, but anyway, back to back to the question you gave me, uh, and it is that the course has given me confidence to know the end game. And I think once you know the end game, it's easier to navigate through all this crap, you know, because the, all they did was add crap onto my case. And so now I kind of know how to tunnel through. And um, I believe I'll I'll win this big. <laughs> but I do need help on having the, you know, what to go at first because I'm still trying to go at everything at once. But I, I am working on, I did the petition, and now I'm on the um, criminal complaint part. Okay, here's here's what I want to do. Uh, since there's so many things in your case that'll take us directly into the weeds, I want you to get a hold of Chris and schedule a consultation about your case in particular. And okay. before before you get on this call with me uh, in a conference call, uh, I need you to take that tattoo dot zip tutorial. Mm-hmm. It might even the be part of the it. offensive. Lit- it might even be part of the drive-by litigation strategies course, and uh, mm-hmm. make sure you brush brush up on that tutorial because it's California law, California courts. The thing happened in California just the way it's happening to you with a, an arrest mm-hmm. in court, uh, probably on false charges, and we'll iron all that out when we talk. And uh, if so, I'll give you certain directions you can go, and you've already got. Microsoft Word documents you can amend to do mm-hmm. to your judge what that guy did to his judge. And I'd love to help because like you, darling, I have a bad attitude. You have a what? A bad attitude. Bad attitude. Oh, I know. That's why I love listening to all those <laughs> audios you had on there. It was awesome. It was awesome. I was sharing it. I'm like, you got to listen to this. This guy hates the police as much as I do. I go and he knows how to beat them. That's, that's <laughs> and hard. I've been studying. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, uh, okay. darling, uh, go go ahead and uh, download that tattoo dot zip at wevgov dot com forward slash tattoo dot zip. Okay. All right. Nice talking with you. All right. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. All right. I got another call. I got to hurry up to Chris, so I'm going to drop the call and talk to you all later. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. All right. Well, okay, before I end the call, I just want to tell everybody that um, for those who are procrastinating or sitting on the fence about what's up, global crowdfunding, we're um, they're pretty adamant now. We're going to be launching around the uh, the tenth, somewhere between the tenth and the sixteenth, and so now is the time to, uh, if you want to do it, it's just a one-time, one-time fee, out of pocket, thirty-five dollars. But the neat thing about it, it's all in Bitcoin, and why is that neat? Because we don't have any banks, we don't have any third parties, and this is global. This is going around the world. So everybody pays in Bitcoin, and we got some really good stuff coming out that a bunch of us, like-minded people together, 
are going to be able to buy like gold and silver, you know, yada, 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 and, um, and exchange it to currency of the country that you're in. So um, it's pretty neat stuff. And, uh, and I'm getting enthused. I've been kind of laid back now for about a week or so um, for various reasons. I don't want to announce on the show here, but, uh, but those who are, are, don't want to procrastinate procrastinate anymore uh, get with me and let's get you signed up it's only a $35 one time fee out of pocket and um, and you can make a whole lot of money and, and especially the faster you get in so with that being said God bless America and this call is officially over good night step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.